he goes crazy. I can't close for six weeks. Six weeks in our, our business is, is, is death. You know, we didn't shut one day in COVID, luckily. You know, not one day. We shut. No, we didn't stop trading for one day during COVID. And then we, we did this. Raw, a podcast by Lightspeed and Poe. This is a podcast about the highs and lows of running a hospitality business. In collaboration with the Poe Network, which you've come to know with a conversation amplified. We have frank and open discussions about the state of the industry from the best leaders in hospitality. We aim to capture the extent of how far conversations can go. Uncensored, stripped and genuine, powerful and grounded in confidence. We unpack the unique first-hand experience from the experts tackling the very real and at times intense issues in our industry. Now let's get into today's show. Located north in Sydney's CBD in McMahon's Point, the North Spoon is a neighbourhood favourite cafe by day and event calm function space at night, famed for its Italian nights. From its humble beginnings in 2017, it has grown into a favourite spot for many in the local area. It is committed to using seasonal and locally grown produce from New South Wales artisans, farmers and producers. Like all venues in the industry, it has faced challenges in recent times and has had to adapt and evolve quickly in order to keep the business strong and sustainable. So it's a pleasure to chat with former colleague of mine and co-owner of The North Spoon, Gareth Nara, on this episode. Hey, Gareth, how are you? Good, Sean. How are you? I am fantastic, my friend. It is great to have you on this Raw series with us today and really reconnect because we haven't worked. I actually thought about this the other day when we chatted on the phone. We haven't worked together since 2019 and so much has happened, you know, since that time, mate. So it's great to really understand that and unpack that a bit for the listeners today on this podcast. So for those who don't know you, obviously the North Spoon is a fantastic location in New South Wales, but how did you actually start out in the hospitality industry yourself and then come to the point that you actually became the co-owner of the North Spoon? That's a journey. Um, so I started out like many my age, I think, as a 19-year-old looking for a career and being, being brought up around food and always having a passion for it. I decided to start at a chef's apprenticeship in uh, 1996 at the Wentworth Hotel um, and then worked my way through a chef's apprenticeship and got a little bit disheartened by things I saw, kind of found other industries and went on a bit of a career journey, uh, fell back into hospitality probably about 10 years ago with an opportunity to work for a growing brand called Ribs and Burgers um, and from then kind of uh, made my way to my own business, which is the North Spoon. Was it a big decision for you to to buy or co-own that venue? Like what what was the what was the actual method for you to what was the reason, I suppose, for you actually to make that move yourself? So I think um, uh, looking back, um, working for Ribs and Burgers, I gained confidence. Um, and I saw myself really um, understanding myself and understanding what I had and, and, and you know, what I was really about personally um, and, and then 
being amongst some very good peers and, and getting some more understanding of the industry and how business works and how the business works and, and kind of being around that and knowing like I have the same mentality as what I'm seeing from some very successful hospitalitarians, we'll call them, mm. um, it kind of shot me forward to do I stay in this business uh, or do I go out on my own? And I had some opportunities come up while I was there and uh, that kind of, you know, I left Ribs and Burgers on good terms but just um, with with the real want to, to do my own thing, I was really ready at that stage. So that was probably five years ago mm-hmm. uh, and it took me a good year to kind of find my feet and look at it with various different concepts and look at how and then this this the North Spoon came about because I knew the old owners and I spent a lot of time here. I did a little bit of consulting for them and with, and me and my business partner who was a manager of the North Spoon at the time actually approached the the previous owners to do to use their venue at night because we saw such potential in the venue. So we wanted to say, look, you're not using it at night. Can we put on a concept and use your venue at night and do something? And they weren't really that keen for it. Mm. Uh, and then the opportunity came to to buy they, they wanted to get out they weren't really passionate about it um and it wasn't making the money that they wanted it to so we saw the potential and grabbed it that was the story behind how we came to own the north spoon what potential were you seeing as you sort of understood the you know venue a bit more obviously i'd imagine consulting and you know would allow you to look underneath the hood a bit more about what the business was doing and the op- and the operations involvement that was needed to do something like nights but what made you really think that Nice could work at that particular venue? Uh, for those who, who've been here that understand, uh, it's a beautiful venue, first of all, um, located just over the Harbour Bridge in a little tiny nook of North Sydney called McMahon's Point, um, across the road from a very old historic pub called the Commodore Hotel. The street itself, Blues Point Road that we're on, is uh, probably 15 early, late 1990s, 2000, this was like the place to be for all the marketing scene and a lot of big marketing companies here. And it was really like a really in place. It was almost like the double bay of, of the North Shore. Mm. Um, and it kind of took a dive in terms of its its um, its want for people to come. And we saw it kind of have a revival. And North Sydney is going through a, a huge transformation as we speak just up the road. There's um, obviously a big corporate little city, but it's getting a lot of residential buildings, a big makeover. Um, so there's a lot. And we just we just thought that we're right at the top of the road. We've got a great courtyard. You can see the Harbour Bridge. Uh, it's, it was like a no-brainer just walking into the venue. It's just, it's just a beautiful venue mm. um, in, in its form that it was then. It's a bit different now because we've done some renovations. But it was just it just had everything going for it. We knew if we ran it well, which we could do, both me and my business partner have the skills to do that. Um um, and gave the service and the product that we know we could, we just knew it was a formula that, that would work in a cafe. And obviously there's a lot of other stuff we do with it now and we want to do more, uh, like events and functions and catering and uh, uh, our own events. So, you know, using the nighttime thing, it's just this specific venue and its proximity to the city and its proximity to North Sydney and and the, the look and the feel, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a great little place. That's it was a no-brainer. Once we had the opportunity, we overpaid. We overpaid for the business, looking at on, on the numbers, uh, but we knew it would pay off, so it was worth it. 
I think as an industry, we often don't we often don't talk about, especially for those who are independents, how important um, QSR brands, fast casual brands, chain brands are to the industry, and what good quality training systems and and opportunities they actually provide. If you if you think yeah. about a brand like Ribs and Burgers, which is obviously you know a well known brand in Australia and other parts of the world as well, what benefit did you get from that, which actually gave you some really good grounding into something like the North Spoon? Just working for an extremely well run operation. Um, you know what makes you know looking at looking at from a business perspective, looking at numbers all the time, analysing your labour and your food costs all the time. Um, driving the business from those two main points, then understanding on a bigger picture of the profit and loss statement and, and, and what metrics within that profit and loss statement make make the formula to succeed in any venue and how to manipulate that. Um, that's what was really uh, driven into me from them. But the other thing that was really driven in was those things mean nothing unless you understand the customer and unless you understand the service. And they use the term, and it's used a lot these days, but they use the term world-class a lot. Mm-hmm. And they would they would strive for world-class. And the com- is it world-class was a, was a common terminology used in that business. And that's what you're around every day. And that's what the, that's, that's, and, and being within that, it was, I knew that was inside me. You know, like just naturally it came to me how to serve a customer, how to make a customer happy from both the product and the service perspective, how to see that customer and, and, and what to do at a table. Even in a quick service restaurant, um, you can still, you know, get to the table and talk to people and uh, really make them want to enjoy themselves and give them a great experience. Um, and that's being driven through that. Um, and then obviously you, you step out of that framework into other venues and, and, there's, there's a lot of people that do it really well and there's a lot of people that don't do it so well. Um, and when you are confident you can play with the best, just go and do it, I think. Yeah. And that's what, that got, that's what Ribs and Burgers gave me. It gave me the confidence behind it and then as well from a, from a business perspective, it gave me a great understanding of, of the basics of hospitality, of hospitality and, and, and yeah. how to drive that within the business. Yeah, it's a really good point, and also you know, looking at different different kind of venues, even though they're on the same brand, right? Like you see, you see different things, which can only be a positive as you try to grow. Obviously, this brand further on as well, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, obviously, we said at the start of the podcast, like you're a co-owner uh, in the North Spoon. Um, why did you decide to make that move rather than going out by yourself? And like, secondly, to that. What benefits do you get from being in a partnership rather than being by yourself, do you think? Um, I guess from a partnership perspective, it's, it's a very personal choice. I've always been a team sport guy and a guy. I've played football at a very high level as, as a kid and, and through my 20s. Um, I've coached a lot of soccer and I've, I've done a lot of things on a coaching side. So having people around me and having like-minded individuals is just – it's for me. It, it, it drives me and, and it helps me succeed. It makes me better. So it was not even. A, I would never do this on, on my own, mm. but just from a personal perspective. I think as well, this business is an absolute grind, and to not have someone on your level who you can bounce things off, fight with, scream at, shout with, um, uh, uh, it's 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 um, also enjoy the great moments with. Um, it's it would be pretty lonely. I think. 
Yeah, totally agree. So, <laughs> so when I found my business partner, like my business partner, I actually hired as a manager at Ribs and Burgers. Wow. That's, that's how we kind of got to know each other. Um, and we just became really good friends over the time. And so we were friends before we stepped into this business. And his strengths are front of house and his strengths are, are, are running a great service and giving great, great um, uh, attention to the customer. He's from Italy. He's, ran, he's been in the restaurant industry his, most of his life. His brother has a very successful restaurant in, in Milan. So he was the front of house guy and I was the back of house guy. Kind of just all kind of fit together and made sense, you know. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an easy choice. It was kind of a very natural progression that we wanted to do this on our, on our own. Mm. I often yeah. find that a lot of people get into partnerships and they're, you know, best friends or mates before they get into partnerships and they've obviously never done a business before, right? Like how have you made yeah. sure that you've kept, you know, the personal friendship which you had going in before the partnership but also having a professional relationship where you need to, you know, make a business really financially work? At the beginning, it was interesting because you've got that friendship and I guess the, the thing that makes us, our partnership work is we're both mature enough to be able to argue with each other. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's very common um, and I think it's vital for a business partnership, especially in hospitality, where you, it's, it's driven by passion. Um, you both have varying ideas and you need to be able to be very open with each other and very raw with each other. And I was very always very comfortable with Alessandro and very, um, you know, and to make that work in a business, I never doubted that that could work. From a, to, to keep the friendship there, it's just mutual respect um, and you know, we've both got our own lives and, and I've tried to do things that he doesn't like and he's tried to do things that I don't like and we've, we've just been up front with each other and we've gone out the back and, and literally screamed our heads off at each other. Um, we've screamed our heads off in front of staff, which he doesn't like. Um, but at the end of the day, we shake hands and, and it's all over and we come back tomorrow with a smile on our faces and we both want to succeed. Um, mm. So it's, it's just out of mutual respect, you know that at the end of the day, it's business, and and, and there's no nothing personal within this within the walls of here, you know, um, and that's that's the maturity that we both have, and I'm lucky to have a business partner that can do that with me. Yeah, for sure. How how has your communication sort of changed over the last couple of years that you've you've been in a partnership together? Like, do you find you guys catch up more than you used to, maybe at the start, or less, or do you see each other every day? Like, how does this sort of work? Like it's hard. We see each other every day, you know, most days, um, and especially the beginning. And then obviously through COVID, we saw each other heaps. Um, you know, we were both grinding on the business. It's not like we're owners that sit back and, and we come to the store twice a week to just check how things are going. We're, we're in it, you know, and we're in it until we find people that can be in it as much as we can. Mm. Um, and um, it, it kind of – it's changed the friendship because the friendship, you know, we don't go out as much and, and socialise. Um, be, you know, for various reasons, not just because we see each other every day, because we're, again, we've both grown in families. He's had a baby. I've had two babies. So time to do that is less. So, yeah, um, it, the, the friendship's changed a little bit, but the the the, ad, the mutual admiration, I think, has grown. Um, and 
you, we know, I know that if, if, if we step away from this at one day and we go separate paths, the friendship will always be there and we'll slip straight back into, you know, socialising and what we did before and going to dinner and our families will always be close and kids will grow up together and that'll all kind of it'll happen. So, you know, when we met each other, we were both young and, and, and free, you know, so we could go out and go to the pub and have a beer and have a big night out and do all those kind of things. Uh, but life's changed for both of us, so we don't do that anymore generally. Um, um, so, so I think that's that's just that's just evolution. I think of, of people. Yeah, hundred percent. Gareth, do you think like obviously you know this business has been around since twenty seventeen. You and Alessandro took it on in twenty nineteen, yeah. and then you have COVID happen. Like, and we just talked a lot about like the relationship that you guys have. Like, do you find the last two years has actually sped up? your relationship as well in a way that you both have to really grow together really quickly in a really tough situation? Um, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I think the, the way we both are is when it comes to the business, we'll kind of do anything. Mm. And we know that I'm very much a person to my own detriment who, who if there's something to do, I'll just do it. I'm not going to wait for somebody else. I'm just going to get my hands dirty and, and whether that's, clean the floor or change a light bulb or, or fix a fridge or whatever I can do, I'll do. If I don't have to pay someone to do it, I'll do it um, uh, and uh, if it can get done. So that's just how I've always been. doesn't matter what job I've been in. doesn't matter if I work for myself or work for others. I've just always been that way. And, and I think Alessandra's the same. Um, so I, I haven't really thought about whether it's sped up the friendship. I think we've just... I consider myself quite lucky. It just kind of being natural and organic and it just kind of fell in and the opportunity came at the same time and our friendship grew at the same time. It's just been a very natural thing. And, and yeah, it's, uh, I know this business wouldn't be the same without him and I, I'm sure he could say the same thing about me. So it's um, from a friendship perspective, it, it's just been, as I said earlier, it's just a natural progression and I think it'll always be that. Mm. Now, obviously, you know, you're in inner city, uh, inner city Sydney, which um, is tough at the best of times, but then throw a pandemic in there and obviously Sydney was, you know, pretty much the second most locked down um, place next to Melbourne over the last couple of years, especially in 2021. Um, yeah. And then when we spoke, you know, uh, before uh, the podcast, you talked a lot about April of this year in 2022 and the challenges you had around that. Do you just want to just yeah. talk about those challenges you had and how you both worked through that <laughs> So I'll start by saying if I get through 2022, I thought I, we said to each other if we get through 2021, we, we, nothing will stop us. <laughs> Who would have thought 2022 could actually be harder? And it has been. <laughs> both, person, both personally and from a business perspective, uh, so many things have happened and it's, it's, it's tested us more this year than it has in 2021. So April 13th, 2022, um, I had a baby at 9am in the morning. Congrats. So an amazing day. <laughs> an amazing day. Uh, and uh, a very long night, obviously, because we, well, we were in labour the whole evening. So um, that was beautiful. I had a little baby girl, Ella. And I think about 3 o'clock on that afternoon, um, of the first day of my baby's life, I got a phone call from my landlord's real estate agent 
to say that we have to cease trade as of tomorrow morning, April the 14th, due to the, the structural issue with our wall on a terrace house which is next door the cafe. And if the wall falls down, it's deemed very unsafe and if someone's around, it could fall on the restaurant and obviously life-threatening. So an emergency cease order was sent to us, shut your business down tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. So that was, uh, yeah, pretty tough. And the hardest thing about that was it's like for how long? Oh, we can't tell you until it's fixed. So like, I'm like, cool, we can fix it in a week. <laughs> Let's go. I'll take the bricks down and fix it myself. Let's go. But obviously structural and building and it's a funny wall and then it's a heritage house. So, yeah, mm. all fun and games. So on an, a time when I was meant to have two weeks with my family, of a bit of father's leave and, and, and enjoy my time, I found myself thrust into this situation where, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't do anything. Mm. And we didn't know how long it was going to be. So obviously decisions around staff and who can we keep. And obviously you don't have things like, job keeper or job seeker for COVID, you know, mm. you've just got you've just got your bank account. And what can you do and how long is that going to sustain you and what insurance can we get and and uh, all these things take time. So you know and and it was at a time where literally the business was in a in in a huge state of influx, just going we had so it was the week before Easter long weekend, it was a Thursday. Friday was Good Friday. So we had Easter long weekend. We had Easter egg hunts planned for the kids. We had a full a full inventory of, of you know, of uh, events planned for Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Big uh, big cook-off on Monday. Uh, slams on the spit and, and charcoal barbecues outside. Uh, stock in the fridge, ready to go. We had... Um, uh, the two weeks later, obviously Anzac Day and a big Anzac Day planned. We had Mother's Day and a Mother's Day planned. We had, I think, four functions in that space of three weeks of 60 people each, four more, even more. Um, so both from a financial perspective, it was very, very good. And then obviously from a marketing perspective and, and, a, and, a, and a momentum perspective from a business coming out of lockdowns, coming out of COVID, now we're ready, now we're, we're gearing up, let's go. You know, we were like charging mm. just to get shut down with with no real it was just it was it was tough it was really tough uh it was like a big you know you think you hit the wall the covid lockdown this is like we hit uh, a lead wall it was so hard so you know what do you do like again what do you do like you 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 grit your teeth and you put a smile on your face and you, you do what you can to survive because the options of getting out at that stage is is none. How long were so, you shut for? Three and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah. How, how did you guys financially support that though? Like that would have been hard because you said, you know, we like were, there's no support we were, there, right? No. So <laughs> our landlord is actually the North Sydney Council. Wow. So um, they gave us rent abatement, which is good. Um, okay. They let us do a quick permit for a food truck outside the venue and a coffee cart outside the venue. So we could, after about a week, and that took about nearly a week and a half to get up and running, which was okay. It was a bit of support and it was a bit of we're here. It wasn't anything. Couldn't do much. 
You know, who wants to buy coffee from a, from a schedule coffee car sitting on the end of a street when you can go sit down in a cafe? So it was just to keep face and keep our, our, our people happy and just to make sure our customers saw that we were still here and around. So that was really what that was about. And, yeah, then it was um, delve into savings and, and see what we could kind of, you know, obviously we tried to pay the staff that we could, we paid and kept going. Um you know, I think we, we spent quite a bit of money keeping key staff. We found it. We found other staff with friends, restaurants, and, and other people we knew in the industry. Called them, and they supported us and gave other staff work in the time that we, which was really good. Obviously, people were looking for staff at the time too. Mm. Um, and I think over the period we lost out of eleven staff, we lost three in those three weeks. So we kept seven or eight, which is really good. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, that's how we kind of survived that. But those two or three we lost were, were, were big. Yeah. They put a real dent in, in, into our operation. Especially in a small team, right? Like yeah. that's 20% of your yeah. team. Like 25% of our team yeah. and guys that we've trained and guys that we were we trained and they were just getting to a point of and we really got a good, you know, we're really sitting in a good place with staff and our team was right and they were working hard and everything was just, in, you know, in alignment at that stage until that fun afternoon of phone calls. <laughs> at least the wall's fixed now, I hope. The wall is fixed. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was hard. It was disappointing. Uh, no one really saw it from our perspective, I, thought, I think. A mm. uh, couple of meetings, people were like, oh, it might take six weeks. And we kind of go, oh, that's pretty good, six weeks. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? I can't close for six weeks. Six weeks in our, our business is, is, yeah. is death. Mm. You know, we didn't shut one day in COVID, luckily. You know, not one day. We shut. Wow. No, yep. no, we didn't stop trading for one day during COVID. And then we, we mm. did this. And it was just, yeah, we're still recovering. We're definitely still recovering. Still trying to recover some funds. Um, still trying to get what we can get. But, you know, it's going to be a long process. Yeah, for sure. So we're just talking about, you know, staffing challenges and that um, right there and that answer. Like, how were you feeling about staffing in the hospitality industry and like like greatly in the in the greater hospitality industry? Like it's obviously at an awful point right now. Like yeah. is it making you think differently about the business itself and how you potentially could grow the business? Um, yes. Uh, it's definitely stopping growth. Um, there's a fear of – there's definitely opportunities we've had that we, we kind of don't we – we would take – normally but we can't take because we don't know if we could staff it and do you need that headache mm. over two venues when you've got the headaches over one i don't think so not good mm. staffing at the moment in, in industry-wide is is just uh it's tough what do you do though like again it's another thing like what do you do do you, i don't have the options to change it myself we know that the government can do stuff to get people into the country do people want to come to the country um, how long will it take? There's a huge backup. The systems are slow to get people in. Do we see a little bit of a Europe? Europe uh, I know a lot of Europe. Europe's going crazy at the moment because the weather's nice and it's everyone's back there. Are we going to see that in our summer where a lot of that comes to Australia, which always used to happen? Um, I guess we'll wait and see. But right now it's few and far between finding. I don't find it trouble. I don't find it hard finding people. I find it hard finding people that 
are as good as they used to be in the same position. Mm. The depth. So it's more. It's a skill level thing. Is 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 is, is the toughest thing. Finding the right people is hard. Finding people is not hard. Finding the right people is hard. And you've got to have a you've got to have a constant. For us, we've got to have just a constant recruitment strategy. Constant. You don't stop recruiting. That must be incredibly tiring for both of you, and you know, um, like a really well-run business, but like a tight little team and stuff like that. To be like constantly recruiting a tight little team, it's. Like you're always in a forming yeah. stage, right? Yeah, and, and, and just again, just when you think you're getting the, you know, someone else falls off or someone else goes somewhere or, you know, and it's not, it's an easy market for staff to leave, mm. you know, so to keep them, you know, to be successful in hospitality, your staff have to work hard. It's, it's no secret. Mm. They have to work hard. They have to, and it's, it's a grind. And, and we, we, we treat our staff really well. We feed them, we give them drinks, we, we on a day-to-day, obviously, you know, they don't have to pay for anything while they're here. Um, we, our full-timers have to have two days off a week. You know, no one works big hours, like hospitality, 70, 80-hour weeks. It's not, we don't do that here. You can't do that. We, we took a huge, when we took the business, we said, we're not working like that and no one else is working like that. So we're really... Yeah. Trying to make sure that our staff are well rested and, and, and looked after and the priority is their life, not our business. Um, but yeah, they just it's so easy for them just to say, Oh, I can go get money down the road some, you know. Uh, it's a very unsustainable model, I think, um, in terms of what people are paying other people. So we're kind of holding our holding our guns and sticking to our guns and sticking to our model and treating people fair. And I guess I'm confident that. You know, you'll eventually find the right people for your business. And that's why you've just got to keep on hiring until you find the right people. And unfortunately, some people will fall off. Um, it's not a it's not a quick fire, one, two, you're in, you're out. We, we take our time hiring people. And if they work, we treat them like gold and, and we want them to be around. Um, but I can't stop them going next door. And I wish everybody that comes in my door success. And if they need to find success somewhere else, it's, it's a mutual respect thing again. Go find your success. We can't all be, you know, work. We can't all work with each other all the time. So uh, we'll find our right team, and, and we'll get there. And at the point, I believe, in essence, you got to stick to what you know, and you got to stick to yourself, and you got to believe in yourself as much as you're challenged through things. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to say to yourself, you know, this is this is the right way to do things. And we believe this is the right way to do things. So let's do them. And, and it'll pay off. It's not about paying off next week. We, you know, you can't you can't succeed in two weeks, and three weeks, or a month, or a year, or two years. It's it, it's a, it's like any business. It's the longer you're in it, the more chance you have a success. Mm. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we do. We just stick into our guns and keep on churning and keep on finding people. And you know, we've seen some really good people come in, um, and I just hope we can keep them and they can stay and. and we can grow with them and, and eventually it'll work. And I guess that mentality for me comes from football, comes from soccer. Mm. When you're playing a high level of football, you know you're not all your teammates aren't going to get along with you. You know, you, but you can't, you, sometimes you can't pick your teammates. But if you've all got the same goal in mind and you've all want to succeed as a team, you're not there to be best mates. You know, you're not there to, and that's, that's something 
I'm lucky enough to know and, and you know, my staff have good relationships with each other. But I know sometimes people just aren't after they're not going to fit. It's just life. It's just the way it is. You know, not everyone's for everybody. Yeah, you know? I love that analogy. Um, yeah. I was just going to ask you, like, do you find you're actually recruiting differently these days in sense when you're actually in an interview with someone and you're looking at someone's resume and you're talking to them about their experience and et cetera, you're talking about the North Spoon, are you actually looking for different things in people now and recruiting differently than maybe you would have 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very different process. Mm. First of all, I think the resume right now doesn't hold its weight as it, as it used to. Um, people can say they've worked in places and people can uh, say they, they're skilled to a level, but it doesn't translate to that when they actually work. And on the flip side, people will say they're not skilled and you'll find out that they're a lot more skill. So the resume as such for me is, is, a, is a look over and I kind of look where they've worked, how long they were there for, so that gives me, a, you know, a bit of loyalty. Questions like what, questions for me in interviews, um, you know, what are you looking for? What do you want in, out of this job? Um, and their answers will tell me if they'll kind of get to the next the next stage of the interview process. Um you know, there's a there's an ethos out there, and, and we all do it. Come in and have a trial. Get in, get have a trial, and then what are you going to see in an hour? You know, what are you going to see in two hours of person? You're not, not going to see that much, but it gives you an idea, just a, a, an idea of, of, of how they feel within the space. And and I've always been of I've always been of the the ilk that if they're having a trial in my restaurant, it's not about if I like them or not. If they're having a trial in my place, I, I want them to work there. It's about them. Do you feel comfortable in the space? Can you feel like you're going to grow in the space? Can you see potential in, in our space for yourself? That's what the trial for me is about. It's making sure that, that the employee coming in feels comfortable and feels like they can benefit both from learning from us and obviously uh, giving us what they know, some of their knowledge as well. Um, so that's kind of, I think 10, 15 years ago, you'd, you'd interview people based on their, on their uh, resume, that'll give you a lot of their good answers and obviously a bit of a, a, a chat with them. And then you give them a full day trial and it was very much about you judging their talent. Where now it's, for me, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really work because I think that the, the people coming through the hospitality industry culturally are very different. They've grown up in a... In a, in a heavy technology world, which I never did. Mm. I don't think you ever did. No. Nope. You know, they're driven by very different things in life. So I don't think they, they understand the, the interview process like we used to understand the interview process. Mm. So, yeah, it's very much about trying to tell the people coming into our restaurant or working for us, what do you want? Where do you see yourself? Um, it's a transient It's a transient business. People come and go. How many people do you know that come in as a, a chef or come in as a waiter and are there in five years in the same place as a waiter, I mean, two years in the same place as a waiter. Mm. You know, it's, 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 um, I was having this conversation with a customer today. Unless, naturally as human beings, you want to progress in your career. I mean, for let's face it, where, where are they going to progress in a cafe? They're not. So how do you keep those people engaged and, and happy and, and, and wanting to come and feel valued 
in in a space like this over a, over a, a good two year period. That's what you kind of look at two to four year period. You know, that's what I want out of my staff. Mm. If I grow, they grow. You know, and that's kind of what we kind of tell them: work hard now, and hopefully we can all grow together. That's that's the challenge these days: how to keep them in a small business like this. It is it's tough. Yeah. Now, I've had the pleasure of obviously working with you before and know how much you care about people, how much that's very much part of your MO and, and how much you really go above and beyond for the people you yeah. employ and the people you work with. Yeah. But has this situation now where it's, it is so challenging to find really competent people and talent, has it made you care about people even more, do you think, or in a different way? Um, I don't know if it made me care. I've always cared for people. I've always generally put others before myself, mm. making sure that they're right first. They're, is everything okay with you first? Um, has no, I don't. I don't think this whole thing has changed. That I think I'll always be that way. Um, I think it's given me. Uh, there's been opportunity, more opportunity to show it. Yep. Yep. Obviously, when we're going through lockdowns and you got staff members, you know, it's. It's 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 livelihoods you're you're responsible for, you know. Um, and yep. at the end of the day, everyone you think you said it earlier, we're all just people, and we all basically want the same thing, and that's to live and be happy and and and, and uh, be peaceful and you know and have a and have a relatively hopefully and simple life. You know, I think that's what most people want, um, and if we can, if we can help people get that, and, and not complicate things, and, and give, you know, give them things that they need, you know, we'll always say yes. I had an employee very recently who got into some trouble, and you know, obviously was was something happened was not nice, and it's like whatever we can do, we'll do for you. Mm. You know, if we had to throw him extra money, we'll throw him extra money. Like it's not, it's just I think that's just. I don't know, that's just the way we are. We, we treat our employees like family and, you know, it's just, it's nice. It makes, it's what you do. It's, it's part of being in the hospitality industry. You know, hospitality is about caring for others and yep. serving others. It's, it's a very selfless, it's a very selfless industry to be in. It's not about, oh, I'm here to, I'm here to be rich or I'm here to make money. I think those, those people in hospitality fail. I think, I think people in hospitality that are there, to make others happy, whether it be staff, customers, whatever it is, partners, whatever. I think those are the ones that really succeed because the money comes, the success comes from that ethos of, of hospitality. Mm, totally agree. Um, mate, my last question to you is like, what are you looking forward to for the future, you know, and, and for the brand? I mean, obviously, you know, you've had a um, fast forward <laughs> sort of the career a bit with obviously lockdowns and the challenge of April this year and you've obviously got a great partnership and a great venue. Like what are you guys looking forward to? I would like to say that I'm just looking forward to a clear run mm. of hopefully no interruptions and no disruptions. I mean just just give us the opportunity to 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 do what we want to do. You know? And that's just time and um, the list is very long, and we know we can be a huge success, and we know we can we can we 
can really make a difference to our community here that we're around. That's what we're here for is for the community. Um, hopefully do that in other communities. Um, but we need time to do that. So I'm really just looking forward to a good solid year of trade <laughs> from our perspective. You know, that's all I want right now. Just give me a year. Of tra- I haven't, we haven't had it. Yeah. Nearly three years into the business and I haven't had a good solid year of trade. Mm. So that's, if, that's as simple as I want right now. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Beyond that, just finding others that are that are like-minded, and, and, and I think the industry itself is going through a huge transition period, where, like you said, we're all battling with staffing issues, product prices have gone through the roof. You know, we're all fighting pretty hard, um, and I can pretty much guarantee you that not a lot of people are making any money at the moment. And a lot of people are gritting their teeth and thinking, how are we going to get there? But we'll get there. The industry will survive. It always has. And beyond, I would say, summer next year, I'm really looking forward to just growth. You know, there's catering, a lot of catering stuff that we can do, a lot of function space. There's there's so much stuff we can do just here in our venue. And then opening more venues. Um, You know, that's, that's, there's opportunities are there and, um, speaking to other people and, and, and making partnerships and finding finding new friends and, and, and keeping old friends in within the industry. Oh, that's why we're in it because it's such a great such a great such a great industry to be in. Yeah. Such a you know when you have suppliers who are there to help you and you have uh, customers who come to you every day with a coffee and you put a smile on their face. It, it's it's your own little it's your own little thing. Mm. Um, and I guess that's what drives most of us to be in this business is is to have those those moments so that's what i'm looking forward to for many years to come you know and and hopefully from that we 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 get success and and growth and you know but those are the basics that we want to just hold on to yeah absolutely yeah gareth what's the best way that we can find out more information about the north spoon and come down have a coffee have a meal relax a bit the best way to come down to have a meal is just walk five minutes from North Sydney Station or drive your car down here and, and, and come speak to us. Uh, guaranteed fun times. Um, or you can just jump on our website to book and see exactly what we do, the northspoon.com.au. Uh, or as hard as it is, we have an Instagram page too, which um, you can check out what we do. There's some really cool content on it um, at the moment. So that's, uh Yeah. A whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time with another social podcast. media for old for old fogies like us. <laughs> that be our next one, sure. Help us all, mate. Help us all. God help us all. Sure. Um, Find the young ones to do it for you. As always, that is going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast, so you can visit Gareth and Alessandra and the rest of the team at the North Spoon, mate. Well done on getting to this point. I can't wait to see what venues the two of you are going to do next and the value that you're adding to the industry. So thanks so much for your time. Who knows? Melbourne could be our next, our next for all, mate. Mate, can't wait. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> thanks, Sean. Thanks again for tuning to another episode of Raw, brought to you by Lightspeed and the Poe Network. We hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. It would mean a lot to us and we'd love to hear your feedback on this series. 
To find out more about Lightspeed and how they can ignite your business in hospitality, you can find them at lightspeedhq.com.au. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode and until next time, stay well, everyone.